or not, here we come. (laughs) Psalms 93. Psalms 93. This is a Friday song that was composed by King David after being uh, resettled in the land. Makes me think of a good Friday coming up, but again, speaking of the majesty of God, look, the Yahweh now reigns as king. He has covered himself with majesty and strength, wearing them as his splendor garments. Regal power surrounds him as he sits securely on his throne. He's in charge of it all, the entire world, and he knows what he's doing. Lord, you've reigned as king from the very beginning of time. Eternity is your home. Chaos once challenged you. The raging waves lifted themselves over and over, high above the ocean's depths, letting out their mighty roar. Yet at the sound of your voice, they were all stilled by your might. What a majestic king filled with power. Nothing could ever change your royal decrees. They will last forever. Holiness is the beauty that fills your house. You're the one who abides forevermore. Amen.
my voice and I will lift up my hands. Let His praise be ever on my lips. Let His praise be ever on my heart. Let the meditations of my heart be glorious to Him.
Send out truth, send out light. Where do you want to go? 
place where you live
So what we're getting is this idea of um, it's the feeling of trying to grasp or hang on to something, even even metaphysically or in the atmosphere, to try to hang on um, to something that would seem to have stability related to it. And uh, there, there was a, a king that came up, his name was Ahaziah, uh, I think, that came up out of the Amrit dynasty, and also, which was the northern, and the, um, the Judean dynasty, I believe, if I'm correct. His name means uh, uh, Yah has grasped, uh, grasped. And so, um, you know, today's Psalms 110.7, and he shall drink by the brook in the way, and therefore he shall lift up his head. And so there's no lifting up of the head of God where there's a place of grasping and not giving. And so there's a release that has to happen in our soul of not holding on. Uh, you, 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 know, the, you know, it says in Hebrews 6 that he is the anchor, that we would have a strong consolation. Those of us who would enter in beyond the veil would have a strong consolation that he's the anchor of the soul. it by two witnesses, by a promise and an oath, he had declared that if you come into this, uh, I'll hold you. And so the, the word of the Lord is to let go. Um, yeah. Lord, we let go of every sin and weight that has so easily beset us. taking up the tent pegs. The move of God is about to advance. We can't control it, Lord. We can't make it happen. We have to trust you. The old mechanisms, they don't work with the, this work. You cannot work with any kind of mechanism out of the earthly sphere. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. doors. Lord, cleanse the sanctuary and cleanse our minds, Lord. Eyes on you, eyes on you, eyes on you, Lord, eyes on you.
Why do you tell me the pool of my tin pegs when it's blowing wind so hard? Let go, let go, let go, let go and fly. Why do you keep telling me to let up my tin pegs when the wind is blowing so hard?
rise like a weapon in your hand. Let our praises rise. Oh, let our praises rise like a weapon in your hand. Let our praises rise, oh God. Let our praises rise like a weapon in your hand. Let our praises rise. Oh, He is God of eternities and wonders and majesty and God of creation, ancient, alive and God of the nations, uncharted galaxies. Spirit, He is spirit and more real. He is spirit and more real. He is spirit and more real. Oh, He is spirit and more real. Oh, He is spirit and He's more real.
weapon in your hand that our praises rise, oh God, oh God. That our praises rise like a weapon in your hand. Let them rise and rise and rise. Psalms 18, the depths of the sea were exposed, the inner regions of the world were uncovered by your battle cry, Lord, by the powerful breath from your nose, he reached down from above and took hold of me, he pulled me up from the surging water, he rescued me from my strong enemy, and from those who hate me, for they were too strong for me. Psalms 29, 2 through 5, acknowledge the majesty of the Lord's reputation. Worship the Lord in holy attire. The Lord's shout is heard over the water. The majestic God thunders. The Lord appears over the surging water. The Lord's shout is powerful. The Lord's shout is majestic. The Lord's shout breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. Psalms 32, 6 through 7, for this very reason, every one of your faithful followers should pray to you while there is a window of opportunity, certainly, when the surging water rises, it will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You're our hiding place, Lord. You're the shelter of the Most High. Take us up in the shelter, Lord. Oh 
the trumpet sound, let the trumpet sound, let the shelter of God, the shelter of God, let split the seas, open the earth, oh, let the shelter of God, let the shelter of God. In the shelter of the Most High, this is the place of advancement. In the shelter of the Most High, oh, agree with Him, 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 agree with Him. This is the shelter of the Most High, the place of advancement. Oh, this is the shelter of the Most High, the place of advancement. Oh. This is the shelter of the Most High. Oh, and we will take the land through the shelter of the Most High, of the Most High, of the Most High. Yabala mangela mashenda bakiando, lariambe baba diamonyange deva sandara kaliye. Sikombariambe de kaliyandereba.
the Lord say to me, he said, this is the place where the enemy's been stealing my people's inheritance. The place that we're overcoming this morning. Psalms 144, 6 through 10. Hurl lightning bolts and scatter them. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Reach down from above. Grab me and rescue me from the surging water. From the power of foreigners who speak lies and make false promises, oh God. I will sing a new song to you. Accompanied by a ten-stringed instrument, I will sing praises to you. The one who delivers kings and rescued David his servant from a deadly sword. Isaiah 17, 12 through 13. The many nations massing together are as good as dead. Those who make a commotion as loud as the roaring of the sea's waves. The people making such an uproar are as good as dead. Those who make an uproar as loud as the roaring of powerful waves. Though these people make an uproar as loud as the roaring of powerful waves, when he shouts at them, they will flee to a distant land driven before the wind like dead weeds on the hills or like dead thistles before a strong gale. Jeremiah 51, 55 through 56. For the Lord is ready to destroy Babylon. Yes. And he's putting an end to her loud noise. Their waves will roar like turbulent waters. They will make a deafening noise. For a destroyer is attacking Babylon. Her warriors will be captured, their bows will be broken. It is the Lord our God who punishes and he pays back in full. when we wanted others over yours oh come and judge oh 
pleasing to you all the days of my life. I only want to stand in your presence, singing praise to you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, O oh God. Oh, oh, let all the nations hear. This is the great and terrible day of Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The praises of my mouth, the praises of my heart, incense pleasing to you pleasing to you let the look of my face oh let the look of my heart remind you of your one unique son lord come 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 truth and spirit truth and spirit come and split the seas Come and break the mountain. Come with your judgments and reveal you are only the only thing worth worshiping. And let our praises rise so they can see. First Corinthians three thirteen. The work of each one will become plainly and openly known, shown for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work that each one or person has done. 
if the work which any person has built on this foundation any product of his efforts whatever survives this test he will get his reward but if any person's work is burned up under the test he will suffer the loss of it all and lose his reward though he himself will be saved but only as one who has passed through fire do you not discern and understand that you the whole church are God's temple you're the sanctuary and that God's spirit is permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church but also individually if anyone hurt does hurt to God's temple or corrupts it or destroys it God will bring hurt to them and bring them to corruption of death and destroy them for this temple of God is holy is sacred to him and that temple you the believing church and the individual believers you are the temple doors the sanctuary open them up to the Babylonians and great brought great travesty on the nation and the Lord said to me he said you know there's no way I could seat my government on a Babylonian system now you know better it drags us down find security in places we were never meant to find security. Look what I got. Look what I've got. Our security is not in this world. It's not in the things of this world. My security is in you, Lord. fire, fire, fire to truly purify the minds of men, right here in the face where we think in the gray matter, bring fire, fire of love, fire of love that purifies the human mind. situations are happening that my confidence is so in the Lord that I prevail above it because Babylon has nothing in me 
not tethered to that system at all. My life is you and you, Lord. And my life is in Christ and in God. My mind is in you, Lord. I have no other mind. No other mind. No other thought but you, Lord. No other idea but you, Lord. No other concept but you, Lord. Just you, Lord. Pervade my whole consciousness, Lord. Let fire come. Illuminate our understanding, Lord. And every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of who you are. Cast it out, cast it out. And remove it, Lord. Take it out of our face, Lord. Let the church radiate with your light. No more Babylon, no more, no more, no more. Not in us, Lord. No more in us, Lord. I want a face-to-face encounter with you, Lord. I want to be known and seen like you see, Lord.
Well, I, I want to give a little bit of a debrief to what just happened and uh, from what I'm understanding from the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, we passed an examination. Uh, the, uh, the Lord said to me, he said, you passed the test. Uh, we've been in, um, let's see, since X2M 70. This makes 81 today. It's 11 weeks out. Um, today is the last day of the investiture. Um, today, today ends the confirmation period of this ministry. And uh, that is really cool because the uh, confirmation has been confirmed. <laughs> uh, the Lord put it to us this morning. He's been preparing us for this, but I mean, really, you could probably feel that pressure uh, in the room and what we're um, having to face uh, moving through that pressure, which we've had some very delightful times here. Today was definitely delightful once you passed the exam. But, but going into that examination is not necessarily easy, not as delightful. What is the exam? What, what is it? Well, um, remember Moses and when he, uh, they had come in to Meribah? You know this? And they, they came in and the uh, people had no water to drink. And we would call that today liquid assets. Their liquid assets had dried up. And, um, and of course, the people were complaining at Moses and telling him our liquid assets have dried up, literally water, which they would die from. If our liquid assets dried up, we might still survive. But for them, it was real, like this is death. So, um, <clears throat> so um, the Lord, you know, Moses goes to the Lord and says, Lord, what do I do? These people are thinking of stoning me to death. And he says, uh, go strike that rock over there. And so he strikes a rock, right? And, and when he strikes the rock, basically water comes out. And um, as you know, you've heard this story, everybody's heard this story, but the next season later on, there'll be Moses up against it again, right? And the Lord will tell him to what to the rock? Yeah, speak to it. And there's a lot of pressure there for Moses and uh, multi-million congregation to deal with and he's told by the Lord to speak uh, to the rock and of course Moses does not he strikes a rock and I you know I asked the Lord I said why why is that so significant and because we know that rock that followed them Paul will speak of this is who yeah is the Lord and so Jesus isn't going to get crucified twice because that was a picture or a typology of Jesus being struck at the cross. And, um, and so in this second time, the Lord's not going to put up with, you know, you're going to strike me again. I'm not going to the cross twice. I'm going there one time, and then he's going to sit beside his father where he's seated right now at the right hand, right? And he said, just talk to me. Uh, just speak to me. Uh, and so the waves... The waves are uh, today are just coming up around, and you see this picture of uh, something trying to get our attention, and it uh, makes it look like the ship's going to go under, right? And something sad or something like, what is going on? I'm trying to like find a way to get an anchor in my soul because I can't, I don't know how to support 
uh, myself right now, you know, th this kind of thought process. Uh, it's looking for some way, like how are we going to make it, sort of that kind of thing. And, and of course, um, that was what was going on uh, with Israel. Uh, because what happens, ladies and gentlemen, is that you'll push out to a certain potentiality and the Lord's ready to shift and move something into a new season and things will begin to, uh, pressure will come around that old season because he's bringing you into something new. And any time, I mean, I've, Mark, I've, I've seen this with the Lord, but any time you run a season out, there'll be, you know, I heard uh, one preacher one time, he said, transition is hell's hallway. Because any time a transition is being affected, there'll be a reduction and a pressure that will come. Because, why? Because that pressure is there to prepare you for the next season you're about to walk into. And, of course, we know that Moses... Um, Instead of speaking to the rock, strikes it, and what happens, right? The Lord buries him himself, right? Uh, was that on Mount Nebo? He, the Lord himself, like, loves this man, but he said, you know, this season of your life has come to an end. You can't lead Israel into promise because you'll let anger come up uh, to strike at me, basically, to give you something. I was studying this like, in the last couple of weeks, when this was kind of setting up on our ministry, you know, we're dealing with a lot of pressure and things. I said, Lord, what's going on? He's like, well, go to Exodus 17. He shows me this. And I didn't know this, but one scholar says that what was going on with Israel when they came in to the land there at Meribah was the Amalekites were actually prohibiting them from having water. And so the posture of the people was, was like this. Lord, why are you not taking care of us? Or Moses, why are you not providing for us? We need provision and you're not taking care of us. Therefore, we're angry about it. And so Moses is put under this kind of uh, pressure, right? But what we found out or what I found out from the Lord, and uh, this starts about the time we get into Psalms 110.5 and 110.6, which is these verses that are very like, uh, strike and sentence our enemy what the Lord wanted out of his people was to actually go to war and he wanted them to deal with the Amalekites and stop the water issue themselves and so we get this idea with God that our inheritance is uh, being stopped because somehow you know we'll say well you don't love me or you don't want to take care of me or um, why don't someone else did this to me? Um, I got to do something about it, whatever, like that. And the Lord's like, no, no, it's time for you to go to war and put a stop to uh, what's going on. Like, I want you to rise up. Uh, I'm not, I'm not always like your your guy that bails you out of every problem. I'm training your hands for war, and it's out of the high praises of the Lord that you actually bring victory and release inheritance into the earth. Remember. When Jesus is taking a trip across, uh, tells his disciples, you know, we're going to the other side in the little boat. And remember what happens, like when they're crossing. Remember the waves stir up and everything, and they, they get offended with the Lord. They wake him up, you know, you're going to let us drown? It's really funny to, like, talk to the, I read this commentator on that one time. I was like, really, you're going to be offended with Jesus and, like, get on his case? Uh, he's just over there trying to take a nap. You know, leave the man alone. You know, what, why will you be offended with the Lord of glory? He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Like, don't treat him that way. 
with an offense. What, you're going to let this happen to us? And then the Lord just stands up and he says, what? Peace be still. Why? Because he already has victory over the waves. And what the Lord, what the Lord wanted actually, and he tells his guys, he says, oh, ye of little faith. Like he rebukes those guys. He rebukes the wind and the wave. Then he rebukes those guys. And he's, basically the idea is, when is faith going to rise up in you and you take charge, you know, of your circumstances and just say, hey, you know, stop doing that. You know, peace be still. And so some of the passages that I was bringing out today, I brought out a lot of passages today, but they relate to when storms rise up in our life and how God views it. And I'll, I'll relate some of those back to you uh, just for a minute. This morning he woke me up, you know, he said, remember what I told you? Psalms 107, 29 through 31. <clears throat> he calmed the storm. And the waves grew silent. The sailors rejoiced because the waves grew quiet. And he led them to harbor they desired. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love and for the amazing things he has done for his people. Another translation in this says, Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. God stilled the storm, calmed the waves. He hushed the hurricane winds to only a whisper. Uh, earlier on in Psalms 107, you know what it says? God sent the waves. <laughs> when you read about this, you find out the Lord's the one that sent the waves and put them in the storm. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. Like, you put me in the storm, and then he said, now cry out and ask me for help. And then speak to the storm and say, you know, hey, peace be still. And then he says, Daniel was talking to us this week about being up in the Bering Sea. And he said that the waves, he looked over at a mountain out from Tom's house, and he said the waves were like that high as that mountain. And he says, pitch black darkness, you can't see a thing. And you can imagine being in a, a ship, which he literally has been in the Bering Sea. You imagine being in that kind of utter darkness, like you can't see a thing. And if that still hole uh, cracks, or if the ship capsizes, you're going to the bottom like that, and everybody's dead, and there's nobody to rescue you. I mean, it's over. And when the Lord's talking here about hurricane winds, and I mean, nobody in their right mind drives a ship into a hurricane. That's like, you don't do things like that. That's not a wise decision to make. So the Lord's saying, uh, he says here, hurricane winds, I brought them instantly to a whisper. We were so relieved, <laughs> as we would be. So glad he guided us safely to harbor in the quiet haven. So God sends the storm. He frustrates the th situation. And then he says, hey, what are you going to do about it? And the Lord wants the voice of us to rise up over our adversity. I mean, hurricane winds, you're dead. You're going to die. You're going to die. Meribah, water's dry, dried up. You're going to die. Two million people out there. You're going to die with no water. The Lord actually is the Red Sea crossing. They're coming down. They're coming down. You're going to die. What are you going to do about it? I mean, this, this kind of training that we're receiving, and the Lord's like, 
Can you say, peace be still, in the middle of death? Can you say, no? And what's going on this morning, I, as we went on, I, the word's like, do you see that the ideas of, the, of Babylon, the framing of Babylon has so inculcated our mindset and our thinking. The Babylonian idea that that's somehow going to support me. That I'm going to draw my support off of Babylon and I feel relieved if I could get something set up out of a Babylonian thing. And that will somehow support me. The Lord, he'll run you right out of everything. I know because that's the way he's treated me and my family. <laughs> he'll run you all the way out of everything that you could subsist on and say, you trust me? We don't have a way to get whatever, whatever, whatever. Do you trust me? Come on out with me. Say to it in the middle of it, peace be still. I don't want to live like that. I don't like living like that. The Lord's like, I want to bring a provision to you. And so he says uh, this morning when it says coming down, he's like, look, you know, your enemy, he wants to steal your inheritance. And he's stolen so many people's inheritance because the Lord can't seat his government on, on us when it's got a Babylonian flair going with it. He doesn't, the Lord doesn't like that. Because that's giving allegiance to another system. You know, he wants the Egyptian out, the Babylonian out, the Assyrian out. He wants the whole thing out. He wants to take care of his people. And so he runs us through these processes because we don't know how much, even in our family lines, and, and because all the way back to Adam, that we've been inundated with a mind, really, that's reaching out, looking for something whatever it can find to support itself and the lord's like i want to be the anchor of your soul and i'll give you a word a promise and i'll give you an oath and i'll stand on it and i'll meet you if you'll come out on it i'll meet you behind the veil what it says in Hebrews 6 in the order of melchizedek i'll, I'll meet you um with this week and finishing up the investiture today um I, I normally don't know what the, uh, what the component of the investiture is. And I, I want to give you some verses to kind of help you with this because I realize some, some of us may, have, may need a little bit of uh, some scriptural backing even from the New Testament to kind of help us with this idea of investiture. And I just want to uh, do this uh, out of 2 Corinthians 5. So in 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, the tent we live in, is dismantled, we have a building from God. A house that's not built with human hands, that is eternal in the heavens. For in this earthly house, we are groaning, because we desire to put on our heavenly dwelling. Indeed, after we have put on our heavenly house, we will no longer be found naked. Is that, Kara said I said that wrong. I said naked this week. She said, no, Carol, it's naked. And so I said naked. She said, you're so Southern. I was like, it's naked. <laughs> and she said, no, it's naked. And so, again, we have this earthly house, this tent, the one that we're in right now. Even if it was dismantled, 
we have a building from God. If you've ever been homeless and had to experience not knowing where you're going to live, it did, it, it's not always comfortable. You don't know where your next place is. And if someone came and they tore down your house around you, and someone came and said, I'm going to dismantle your home, I'm a, and you're sort of like, what are we going to do? We're left out into the open. And you were experiencing that. I mean, imagine uh, Dad tells a story about a hurricane coming one time, and it like picked up this whole like uh, uh, house, and the person was still laying in their bed, <laughs> and the whole house was gone. Or the bed had flew. But you imagine like all of a sudden you have no house. That, that feeling of not knowing like my sense of security. I don't know where I'm going to be. My house has, what if it was dismantled? You know, it says in uh, Hebrews, it says, they, uh, they with joy gave up the possession of their land. I don't think a lot of people would like it if someone took, come and seized their property. And then the next thing you know, you don't have a place to live. And with joy, how could, how could the early church with joy take the seizure of their own properties? I remember reading that, and I was uh, a few years ago, and I was like, oh, no, Lord, please don't do that. Please don't do that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't like the way that feels. Well, if, and I don't know that it has to be this way. But there's something about the transfer of a heavenly dwelling into an earthly tent called invested, investing us when there's not uh, a sense of security related to an earthly house. And, and, you know, we would say, I'm doing everything I can to make sure that my house is secure. I, I want to make sure that nothing affects it. Like, you know, make, make sure you pay your taxes and make sure you pay your power bill. Make sure you pay your water bill if you have one, your gas bill, your insurance. Because if something comes to encroach around my property and start to take my house from me, I'd be left with no shelter. And we would think, I mean, I think I thought... That God would want me to have everything that I need so that nothing would encroach upon my physical dwelling. But here's the thing. What's the trade-out? What's the security? What are we trading? Well, I, I want to say that God's wanting to endow his people with an investiture, a heavenly dwelling place, a tabernacle, and reinvest us with something that had been lost to us because man had went around the business of trying to secure their own life into their own properties, secure, feel a sense of security not knowing that, that what was really happening with that was in some way, and I'm not saying this applies to everybody, but in some way that was how in some way, I can keep God out. I protect myself even from him. Now, I didn't know this because I kept wondering, you know, why are you running my finances out all the time? I mean, I don't know, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? Uh, he's like, well, I'm trying to give something in replace for that emotion that you have of what am I going to do? I'm wanting to invest you with a heavenly tent. I'm wanting to put back on you what Adam had 
and Eve had before they fell. I'm wanting to invest my people back with an eternal dwelling built out of the heavens. Stop trying to secure yourself against me coming near. Do you want affliction or affection? And so I think a lot of times we're like, you know how you hear the whole blessed church thing. I'm blessed, brother. I got everything's covered. You know, it's like, I don't know anymore. If that's necessarily the idea of God. I think if God would come near, he would expose everything he would expose the house, and he would, bring it to, he would bring it to naught if he had to. He would take everything so he could give us himself. Now, does he have to do that? I don't know. I, I don't know. He decides that for each person. I'm not sure. But if you're dealing with insecurity in these areas, no matter how much I've tried to fight it and say, well, if, if I would have done that, you know, a guilt-based thing in the past, if I'd have set this investment this way or I'd have did that that way, I wouldn't be in this circumstance. No, you'd be right in the middle of it because I'm with you. I'm wanting to invest my people with what? A heavenly home. Because, yeah, we've been doing a lot of groaning about our earthly home. <laughs> I mean, if you, haven't fit, if you haven't figured this out, it happens relationally, physically, and financially. Groaning. This relationship didn't work out, I feel exposed. This financial thing didn't work out, I feel exposed. This, this, uh, this health issue, I feel exposed. What are you doing with me, God? I'm trying to come near. I'm wanting to give back to you what was lost. I'm wanting to give you a heavenly dwelling. I'm wanting to invest you. Uh, if indeed after we put on our heavenly house, you will not be found naked. <laughs> naked. That means you can walk into the middle of whatever and you feel completely clothed. Nothing is going to throw you off because you have him investing you with new clothing him himself we groan while we're in this tent verse 4 since we're weighed down and you heard this in the message this morning let go of what's weighing you down let it go it's weighing you down it's trying to keep you because we do not want to be unclothed but clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up with life now, the one who's prepared us for this very purpose is God. I like this. He said he gave it, he gave us the spirit as the down payment. Therefore, be full of courage. It's, this has been beautiful. Seven weeks. First investiture. I, I did this all last week. You can listen to the podcast if you want. The shoulder. He shoulders with do, dominion through domicile. The next week, the seal. He seals our heart and our hand. He seals the affections. He seals our, our hand, what we do. It says, David, it says, he lead them with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hand. The next week, Star Rock. Found out this week that Aaron in his investiture... 
Exodus 29, 28, in his investiture, they set the unum and the thunum, thumum on his shoulders. They were black onyx. And I don't know if you know this, but that star rock, it was black onyx, but it's seven stars. I thought, that is awesome. You know, star rock. Then came Shakar, the dawn between two dawns, to go outside of space-time and interact with the heavens. Wow. That, that's a really in-depth thing. Out of the left eye, out of the right eye, the next week, Shemihaza to expose the phantom image and expose the false image in someone else. Next week, Sutar, concealment. Can't touch, can't touch me. If the Father doesn't let you, just like Jesus said, you have no power over me. You can't do a thing to me. I'm under, I'm under full concealment. I'm stealth. Got a full stealth package going right here. Can't even see me. Can't mess with me. And today, the skull. I said, Lord, that's cool. He said, yeah, because out of the mouth will come forth my word. Now you have the two eyes, Shakar, Shemihaza. You got the shoulder. You got to have the face-to-face, the mouth, to speak back to me what I speak to you. The mouth. Out of the, out of the mouth. The word of God on your lips, speaking out of the mouth, within the, the skull. The investiture is complete. Well, that investiture is amazing. And uh, what we've received from the Lord. So this week, I was like, I said, Lord, I was like, what comes next? Uh, because we're going to finish up the confirmation today. We start into what's called anointing and consummation next week. And um, I uh, was impressed to get uh, Meredith Klein's book, which I've had, God, Heaven, and Armageddon. I want to just read to you something that says here. The vision of heaven contains two symbolic images of, he uses this word, theophanic glory each of which is declared to fill the heavenly temple. The first one, listen to this. You, this is so amazing. There's, the first glory image is that of royal robes or an investiture of an enthroned king. So what he's talking about is Isaiah chapter 6 when he's taken up and he sees the train filling the temple. And what he's going to do with this is he's going to say that this first glory image is the royal robes or the investiture. So when God's glory is uh, coming to a people, the first, the thing he's going to do first out of heaven is to put uh, royal robes on his people. Again, we'll see Paul talk about this, like we're reading today, an eternal house. And he writes, so extended, so global is their sweep that they feel the cosmic sanctuary. And then he says the second thing. And, I, you know, I was ready to jump because I'm like, what's next? And, I, you know, what's next for us? And he says this, the second thing that is said to fill the temple is smoke. Elsewhere, smoke is found as a feature of theophany, as in God's appearances to ratify a covenant with Abraham. Remember in Abraham, uh, when he ratifies the covenant, Genesis 15, 
Remember the smoking fire pots? He puts Abram to sleep and smoke. You see that picture there. And with Israel, in Exodus 19, 18, uh, a cloud comes down on the mount at Sinai. It's this fiery cloud with lightning in it and smoke it comes down. And uh, in nearby Isaiah 4 prophecy, he says this glory theophany is described as a cloud and a smoke by day. That is as, well, I'm not going to say all these words because it will be confusing for everybody. Apostle John speaks of this heavenly temple as being filled with smoke, identifies the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. Other passages, you know, I have other passages here like Revelation 15, 8, Exodus 40, 1 Kings 8. You'll, you'll see this happen when Solomon dedicates the temple. Remember 2 Chronicles 5? Y'all know that? When he dedicates the temple, makes this big sacrifice, offerings, everything. And next thing you know, like smoke comes down, the fire of God falls, and no one can stand on their feet anymore. The Lord comes to fill his temple. It is this, this smoke that fills the holy house of the God King in Isaiah 6, 4. And so what he writes is, is that this identifies the divine glory not with the outer structure that's encased and shapes the temple space, which this would be the investiture, but with an inner volume of space of the temple with its atmosphere. So a lot of what has been going on in this ministry that we've been receiving is an outward encasement uh, called an investiture to prepare it for smoke, God's glory to fill it. This is so exciting. Um, yeah, that would be like form would be like uh, a component of the of the structure. Uh, the matter, the Holy Spirit would fill the inner sanctuary with smoke. Now, this has happened in church history to certain individuals. You know, I'm really believing that in this awakening that's coming, this is going to happen to God's bride, his, his entire family. This isn't just going to be one or two that, that receives this. God's had the church in exile to get them ready for himself. The glory cloud of Yahweh is coming to rest in his people. He, he told me 17 years ago, he said, I'm going to make myself one with man. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I'm going to union myself fully with man. I said, oh. Uh, and then he said, like, go outside because I'm going to burn all the sin out of your life. <laughs> That's been a, not an easy experience to go through. So with that being said, there was this guy, his name was, uh, oh, man, it just slipped my mind. Anyways, he, he called himself a metaphysical preacher. And, but he got so hungry for God that him and his wife did. They got so hungry for God. And he said, I'll take you or nothing. And as much as his metaphysics were, which is, you know, a component of what you've heard me do, like metaphysics is looking at this, you know, ethereal, sometimes abstract reality and trying to apply it uh, to what's going on. Um, he said that the Lord came in fire. He became a flaming revivalist. <laughs> That's what, I love that story. He's like, he goes from all these metaphysics. He said scholars, 
after this experience happened with him, the flame of God's fire came and rested in his soul. He said scholars used to come and sit, and theologians would come and sit at his feet and write theology and write scholarship, just receiving the word of God and go teach it at the schools and stuff because it was literally just proceeding out with fire um, and life and light. I, I want to say this before it happens because this is going to happen. Uh, it was uh, God's promise, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that before God would come and fill a house with smoke, He must invest it first. Because think about this: if you give power to a people, and their investiture was wrong or bad, what would they transmit? They transmit corruption. So the, the thing is, is the Lord doesn't want to come and hang out with corruption. He's holy. So what he does is he prepares the people ahead of time, invests them with himself, restores their mind and heart, and their gives them an eternal dwelling place, and then he says, I found a place I can rest. And then he comes in in this glory theophany of God, the, the smoke, of God, the life of God comes in and rests inside of his people. Um, that happened to John G. Lake, right? He was sitting in a room praying for a, a lady, him and a friend of his, I think his name was actually Tom. We were praying for this lady who had, I forgot what the disease was, but it was some kind of bone disease where they said, he said if you would have touched her skull, your finger would have went right through because the uh, it was some kind of osteoporosis or something like that I forgot what it's called but it but anyways he said he was sitting in his seat and all of a sudden like this liquid love and fire starts coming down on his head and it was like electric shocks hits his whole being and he he had been told by the Lord six months before this happened I'm gonna baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire not he said you'll be baptized not many days hence or something like that He's sitting in that chair with Tom something, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. And Tom looks at him and says, you've been, you've been baptizing the Holy Ghost. He said, he said to him, he said, it's a true thing. He said he felt like liquid love pouring through his whole being. And shocks of electric charges hit his whole being. He goes and touches that lady. He's holding Tom's hand. He touches that lady. It throws Tom to the ground. And the lady's whole molecular structure, her bone, completely upfits right there on the spot, and she's completely healed. All the bone completely made hard, and her whole system is put back in order. Her skull. Yeah, that's right. He, just, he said uh, you could push your finger right through to her brain if you'd have touched it. That's how brittle the bone was. God feels him, and it sends him to, you know, Africa. He said people would, Africans would pile up 10 feet away, would pile up under the glory. He said he was so filled with God's love, he didn't even, he wanted to just go get in a back corner somewhere and just be with the Lord because the love was so strong, he couldn't take it. He said that even the power got boring to him because the love was so rich. He was so in just, he said all he did was just look. He was completely immersed in the love of God. And that's all it was for him. 
and that people are just getting, it's like the shadow of Peter or whatever, they're just getting completely healed and restored, anybody, uh, because the presence of God like that. God's glory is coming to the church like that. And he's going to hit the whole church. The expression that's been spoke of like out of IHOP, that in one generation, the expression will be changed in one generation. Do you know why? Because the RNA that's coming out of God's people will express him and his investiture so rightly. The expression will be king and priest. It'll be male and female. It'll be Jew and Gentile. There won't be any more of this uh, socioeconomic issues, racist issues. Um, there won't be any more of this uh, family issues like they've been because the Lord himself will heal it and restore it for anyone who will let him. And one of the big things was, and we found this out in reading, uh, listening to Dr. Michael Heiser, was God was angry at Moses because he wanted to give Moses, one man, the whole thing. He wanted to give him king and high priest. And when I was looking at this investiture, the first four components have the high priest components. And the next four, which the number four is put together, four, five, six, and seven, they have the kingly component in them. And you have Moses and Aaron, high priest and king, put together in this investiture. This is unprecedented ladies and gentlemen. David touched into this some, Solomon a little less. Uh, Jesus, of course, is in this order of Melchizedek. The Lord's going to release this investiture into his people. He told me today that the reason why we're able to overcome where Moses was not was because the high priest components were already built into the investiture. Because without that priestly work there, there would be anger towards the problem so you can't have one or without the other. You've got to have both the female and the male component, the high priest and, and the kingly component put together. When this move takes off that we're a part of, when, this, when the Lord fills the glory temple, he's going to send this investiture out to whosoever will. And what has been wrong with man all the way back to the fall? It's over. God's going to reinvest men and give them this. He wants to restore all things. This has been our brokenness. It's like, well, I get part of it. I don't get the other part of it. You can get the male component in the soul, and so you know how to set up boundaries. You know, you're very objective. Then, uh, then you deal with subject uh, relational, and then he's like, then some people are very relational and subjective, but they have no object uh, objection of truth, and you know. There's been this problem. It's created conflicts in our marriages. It's created problems in our families. It's, the Lord's wanting to be done with it all. I think that's why he was so angry at Moses, actually. Because he's like, it's like, I could give you this. It's no big deal for me, and you won't take it. He tries to talk him into it three times. I don't know if the Lord said Dagnabbit. But, you know, he tried to talk the man into it three times, and he won't take it. You said you're right. And, and he's like, he, the Lord's like, I want to give this to you. Will you just believe me? Yeah. And I, you know, stop despising the day of small things. Stay with me. Stay with me. Come with me. Stay with me. And we have. We stay with the Lord. Stay with him all the way. Where he can finally get a heavenly dwelling place that looks like him. 
And he said, you know, I could come in and feel that and authorize it because it looks like me. Is it, is it Jesus himself? No. There's been a problem with that. Some people think, well, Jesus isn't coming back. Hogwash. The Lord's coming back. You know, the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek is not Jesus. Jesus is the superintendent of an order. He's the high priest of that order, but he's not, he's not that order. He's something other than. He's the eternal son. He's, the, he's our great king. So this isn't like, you know, trying to co-op Jesus. I mean, this is the father wants to see a demonstration of who he is on the earth in his people called the restoration of all things, Acts 3.21. I'll keep my son under a retainer until I see that my people look like you. And it's this investiture that he wants to give his people. This is the greatest thing that could ever be given. And here it has, and he's bluffed the enemy again, right out here in the hidden bluff. He bluffed, he bluffed him again, just like he said. If he would have knew that that was the Lord of glory, they would have not have crucified him. I'm like, how did they not know? Oh, Because he's a carpenter from Nazareth? Because he looks plain-faced? Because that can't be God. God would have become more pretentious than that. He wouldn't be that ugly. You know what I mean? He, he wouldn't have been just a carpenter. That can't be right. Why would, God put a, why would God put his son in a carpenter's body? Why would he do that? I mean, that's not pomp and circumstance right there. Well, yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. He'd put him right there in a manger. He'd make him so, so low that any man or woman could equate. Could, he would never be better than anybody, but yet he's infinitely greater than everybody. Cosmic radiation is coming. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, Meredith Clyde calls it cosmic radiation. I'm like, the alpha radiation. I'm like, yeah, let the big alpha, let him just come on down. I get this kind of picture of the Lord coming in his throne chariot. He's like, Pfft. hey, guys, it's, it's me. You know, that's like the father that I know. He's really cool, and he rides on like a really fast chariot, throne chariot. It's like a space light vehicle. And he just comes into the midst. I'm going to hang out with y'all. We're like, that's the cloud. And everybody's like, you know, it's the Father. Oh, man, this is going to happen. I got like, you know, someone was telling me about when Billy Graham was in the stadiums. I think he said, it was Brad Ames, he said before he was saved, he said, you could see a cloud moving through the stadiums. He said, I watched it. He said, people are kind of normal and everything, but when that cloud came across them, they just started like, boom, down, 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 running the altars. The glory cloud was there. Hey, listen, is, man, we are not, the church of the living God is not some kind of subculture. And Oh, the great victory of the day of our Lord is on us. The great, the great and the terrible day of the Lord is on us. Just as I am.
right, saying that it was some kind of mechanistic song that made the glory of God come. No, it wasn't. It, there's this thing over there at the cove with Graham, and it says, I was a spectator watching God at work. And I love that because that is exactly how it actually is. You're like, there's the Lord working, and you're like trying to catch up sort of like that because he's at work, and you're like, what did you just do right there? I mean, I'm like, Father, you've organized something. You've placed your whole self into something. You took a people unto yourself like this, this group. I'm, I'm sure he has many others. I, I have no idea. All throughout the nations. And he's ready to expand an investiture of king and high priest into his people and restore everything that's been lost. Even beyond anything that we can imagine or even ask or think, we don't even have a capacity to understand. And this glory is coming. Now, I'm just a preacher, like, proclaiming. I know this from the Lord. I, I go before him. I say, Lord, what's next? He said, look at this. Oh, it's like smoke's coming. You know, and all I could say this morning, and I, I pray you would get that this hunger is so deep inside of you. You say, hey, start with me. Like I hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Like, hey, Lord, like, I want this. I don't come away with you. I want permanent resolution. I'm trying to, I'm tired of trying to get resolution all the time. I want permanency. I just want to be resolved that this it's you and me and you and me and I'm just want to be done with the whole other thing man and the Lord was he said the Aaronic order was a concession this I'll send a crown reaper to start to mess everything up you know, I'm, I'm ready to close a bunch of doors you know, I'm ready to come in I don't know how he's going to do it but he's going to do it First, he brings new clothes. The emperor's new clothes. And it's going to be the emperor's new groove. Because <laughs> this is going to be the greatest thing you've ever seen. The greatest display of the glory of God. Oh, when the theophanic presence, the glory cloud, descends like he did with Israel. investitures are just being shot out everywhere and yeah the Aaronic order will probably persecute it but he'll say I'll take them in the highways and the hedges and I'll put a whole entire new suit on you guys gals that are all broken and busted all to pieces all throughout the nations don't have anything they say I'll take that new suit and you know what the Lord will do? He'll give them the whole enclosure of himself. He'll just give it all for free because he's already paid for it. He paid for this for us all. It seems too good to be true. And yeah, hey, it's not the easiest thing pioneering through it. But so be it. Let it be so.
like Genesis 1-2. The word was hovering over the chaos of the blank space to clothe it. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. I 
Behold.